God but Jehovah. There's no God but Jehovah. There's no God but Jehovah. There's no God but Jehovah.
Can I turn? You all know this. You sing it with us. When there's no one else to turn to, who am I going to talk to? When no one wants to listen, who am I going to lean on? When there's no foundation stable, I go to the one I know is able. I go to the wrong.
God's good today, and I want to wish you all, uh, all the men, fathers, wish you a happy Father's Day. It's a blessing to be a father. It's also a great burden or a great task, great accountability. And uh, many times you talk about being a father on Father's Day. And I'm going to mention a father today. I'm going to talk about one today. But I picked this one out because God put this on my heart. And uh, I love him. I thank him. It's getting late. And I don't want to spend much time talking about it. I'm just going to get into it. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to the 49th chapter of Genesis. And uh, I want to bring something out. How many knows... As a father, it's not about what you think. It's not about what you want to do. Now, you know what? If your wife don't correct you on that, your children will correct you on that. When I first got old enough to think about getting married or whatever, it was all about what I wanted to do. It's all about what I wanted to, to uh, go out and, and reach for in this life. But then when I got married, I realized it ain't just me. Got to share what's going on here. And me and her had our debates about what was right and wrong and what was, we was going to do and what we wasn't. And we thought we had it pretty well worked out until the kids come along. When the kids come along, you realize your whole life, you all, you all of a sudden look around and say, where in the world did my life go? Because you spend all of your time thinking about what to do for the children how to please them, how to prepare them for life, and you get the accountability. Let me tell you something. God made it this way. So get over yourself. Let yourself go. Quit worrying about things that you can't change. Sometimes we pray for blessings of God. When God gives them to us, we whine about them all the time. Now, I'm not going to pick at everybody today, so don't think I am. But I want you to hear something. Because Jesus said in the garden, he said, Father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he said, but not my will, thine be done. How many knows Jesus was not here to do what he wanted? He was here to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is why you're here. Right, listen to me, fathers. The reason you're here today is because of the will of God on your life. That's the reason that you're uh, living your life. And you may think, no, I still, have, I still have me. I'm taking care of me. Got my money in the bank. My kids has grown. I pushed them out the door. They're out there doing their own thing. And I don't got no more accountability. Just take care of me and please me. And I want to tell you something, another. God's still giving you breath because God's still not done with you. You ain't never going to stop being a father, and you ain't never going to stop being the person that God brought into this life for a purpose. Hear what I'm saying, because I'm not trying to pick at nobody, but I want you to hear something. God put this on my heart. I want to talk about Jacob. Jacob in the Bible, you've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had a plan, and he started with the children of Israel. He started through Abraham. Then they had the promised son of Isaac, and then he had Jacob. Now, Jacob's task in life, whether you like the way the, re the Bible reads it or not, Jacob's task was to have the children. 
He had 12 sons. And the Bible says it names one daughter. Her name was Dinah. It doesn't name other daughters, but at one place it says when, when Jacob was dying that, uh, and he was, no, it's when, jo when Joseph come up missing. He grieved, and all of the family, it says all the sons and all the daughters came to comfort him, but he could not be comforted. But it talked about sons and daughters in the plural. And I want you to understand, it might have been more daughters, but they just weren't mentioned. Okay, they weren't, their names wasn't, wasn't in there. But in the 49th chapter, I want you to hear what Jacob is dying. Jacob's come to the end of his life. Fathers, you're going to come to the end of your day someday. Listen to me. And Jacob says, in the 49th, it says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Is Jacob a prophet? God laid upon a dying father what to say to his sons. Listen to me. Twelve sons. Jacob's been laid on him to speak to twelve sons. And it says in the next verse, Gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. Israel is his name. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. But I like the way he says that. You sons of Jacob, and then he said, hearken unto Israel, your father. Why? Because God had done, put the plan on Jacob. He had inserted the plan that God had had from the beginning. And I want you to hear something. When Jacob called these boys together, I don't know if he called them individually. He's a dying man. I don't know if all 12 of them are standing there listening at the same time or did he take them off one at a time. I would say to myself, Lord, I hope he takes me off by myself when he starts telling me what problems I got. But he might have said it right in front of all of them because he was a dying man. In verse 3, listen to him. He starts with his oldest son, Reuben. I'm not going to go through all the sons, but I am going to talk about the first four for just a few minutes because I want you to get a grip of what God is doing. Because this is not just Jacob's ideal. This is something implanted into a father, and it's implanted by God. How many knows God don't call you and put you in charge of that and yet doesn't tell you what's going to happen? He brought Jacob to a place. Listen to me. Jacob had had all kinds of problems getting to this day. Jacob had problems with his brother. He, he was called a subplanter, a deceiver. He deceived his own brother to get his birthright. He had a problem where his mother said, flee from here and go over to my brother Laban, Rebecca said, because your brother Esau is going to kill you for stealing his birthright and his blessing. And he, and he ran from him. How many know that don't sound like somebody called of God? But how many know Jacob had a lot of problems? But on the way over there somewhere, God, you remember Jacob's ladder? God made himself visible. He made himself known to Jacob. 
in a different way, and Jacob became a different man. Did you know God keeps working on you? You know God keeps working on me? Sometimes I say to myself, uh, you know, I give grace to everybody else's kids, but my kids better walk the chalk. You fathers ever do that? You want your kids to walk the chalk. You want them to, you know better than that. You hadn't been, you've been taught better than that. Let me tell you something. Jacob knew. Somewhere in Jacob, he knew there had to be grace. There had to be mercy. As he's looking at his 12 sons, listen to what I'm telling you. I don't care how bad these sons do. I don't care how hard the life is before Jacob. I want you to understand something. Jacob loved his sons, and he loved them enough to know they were God's will. Hear what I'm saying. It's God's will that he had the 12 sons. Now, you may not like your brothers or your sisters. You may not like what's going on, but God gave them to your parents. And he gave them to them for a reason. And you're not done yet. You can think I will completely walk away and do my own thing. I don't need them. But I'm going to tell you something. God's holding you accountable how you act before your brothers and sisters. I know you don't want to hear that because some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't like my brothers or I don't like my sisters. They don't deal with me and I don't deal with them. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God's got you here for a reason. Start praying about it. Start praying, God, open this door that I would never go through if it wasn't for you. Listen to me. See, I see a father that had the right to correct his kids hard. But listen to what he did. Reuben's his oldest. He says to Reuben, verse 3, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Boy, he bragged on him, didn't he? Listen to what he says after that. Unstable as water you are, Reuben. Wow. You're talking about putting him in his place. You're unstable as water, Reuben. You look good. You put on a nice suit. You put on a nice place. You stand before your brother, somebody, something else. More or less, they all look at you and they see strength. They see your courage. They see your, your nerve, your boldness. But what did he say to him? You're unstable as water. And thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed and defiled thou it. And he went up to, his, to my couch. That's all he says to him. But I want you to hear this because the father spoke the truth to his son. Now, is there any father here that's never made a mistake? Is there any father here that's never sinned? No. See, I think we've all sinned. I think we've all come short. But just like Jacob and God's dealing with him and he's dealing with his sons, you know what? God is the one that deals in mercy. And he deals in grace. And Jacob knows it. Jacob knows I needed mercy. I needed grace. Now, God, I'm going to tell my sons who they really are to their face before I die. It's my responsibility to tell them the truth before I leave here. I love every one of them, so I'm going to tell them the truth about themselves. And I'm going to prophesy to them. I'm going to tell them what's going to happen in their last days. 
You notice that was in the first verse. What shall befall you the last days? Did you know what he spoke back then is still going on today in Israel? Do you know that each one of those sons was given a part of the land and God is still working on those tribes and those children all the way back from Reuben, all the way back, God is still working because God don't say anything that don't come to pass. So get over yourself, get off yourself, quit looking at this world like it's whatever they come up with that I want to go do. No, it's not. It's God that gave you life, and you need to fulfill what God has put inside of your heart. Next, he goes to the second and third son. He speaks to them at the same time. Why? Because they, how do you say, they got their little click going. These two brothers was partners in crime. I hate to say it that way, but that's kind of the way I see it. It says in verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. O my soul, come not thou into the secret unto their assembly, mine honor. Be not united, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now, you know what? A lot of that, you're looking at me like, what does that mean? I know what you're thinking because I'm looking at it myself sometimes, and I'm thinking to myself, God, what are you saying here? But if you go back, just like if you went back to the 35th chapter of Genesis, you talk about Reuben's downfall, the oldest son. His downfall was it came to pass when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Then in the 34th chapter, if you want to talk about what Simeon and Levi did, you go back and read today if you get a chance. Read the 34th chapter of Genesis because this is when Simeon and Levi, their one sister, which is Dinah, was taken by one of the kings and he was taken by the, she was taken by the king and he loved her and he wanted to marry her. But when he went to make a deal with Israel, Jacob, the brothers somehow got a hold of it and they decided because he had came into her that, they, that these two brothers was going to trick them. So what did he do? He says, yeah, we'll make, a, we'll make a pact with you. We'll make a pact with you. Uh, you, you, uh, you people that's, that's came in here on our land. And we'll tell you when you come to them, if you have all the men, these were not Jewish men, all the men to come and get circumcised, We'll make a pact with you. We'll sell in each other. We'll marry each other and all that. Simeon and Levi, it sounds like a self-righteous move. It sounds like what God says when he says separate yourself from them, don't marry them. It sounds like they're doing a self-righteous move. But what they did was tricked them. They got them all to get circumcised to make the deal. And then they turned around and those two boys, three days later, when the men couldn't even hardly stand up because they'd been circumcised, they went and killed all of them. And I want you to hear what Jacob said to his sons. In verse 30, chapter 34, verse 30, and I'm going to come right back to 49. 
in Jacob, and Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me to make me stink. Can you imagine your father saying to you, you have troubled me, you made me stink. Listen to this. You made me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Let me tell you something. God will fight every battle you need fought. God will put the enemy in his place. But you cannot rise up in yourself and be a self-righteous judge. Look out, because God's not pleased. And Jacob knew these, these two sons, his second and third son, they turned around and they did something cruel and ugly to these Canaanites and Perizzites. Listen to what I'm telling you. Everybody here, we all got problems. Everybody here has made choices. And we wish we hadn't. We wished we could go back and change them, but you can't. You can't re-spill the milk. It's already spilled. But can I tell you something? God has a, a place for you. He knew you from the time you were born, and he knows every mistake you're going to make from here on in. But he's loving you, he's blessing you, and he's restoring you. Because why? He wants you to come to that place. He wants you to see that I am your restorer. I am your heavenly father that knows all things about you. See, some of us Christians, men here that's been on the way a long time, we can sit back and look and say, wow, you know what? You guys think I'm really somebody. I'm going to tell you something. We ain't nobody. We know where we come from. We know where we was. <laughs> We know what God had done to get us even up on our feet to walk forward. And if we have a blessing in our life, it's because God blessed us. America has blessed and blessed because of what God saw in the hearts of people. But can I tell you something? Our heart has failed. Our heart's on a downfall. That's why our country's falling. It's on a downfall. Many of you have been in that downfall place, just like Reuben, just like Simeon and Levi. Now, I want to tell you something even different. Those three sons, those three oldest sons, that was then. God looked past them and looked to try his best to restore them. He's been looking past you. He sent his son to pay your price. So he, if you will come and repent, he can restore you and give you feet to walk in and give you dignity and put you up, stand you up, and make you a man of God. And you say, but I don't deserve to be a man of God. Lord, I failed you then. But he said, that's all right. I still, I got plans for you. God will forgive you. Cast those sins into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered to you again. You don't realize the God you serve. You don't realize that he loves you so much. You sometimes look in the mirror and say to yourself, Lord, why did you let me be born? I'm miserable, Lord. I failed myself. I failed you. I failed my family. I failed my wife. I failed my children. But God knows how to reach out and change a life. 
lift you up and make you new, put you on the, but he's waiting for you to surrender all to him. He's waiting today for you to surrender all. Listen to what I'm telling you. He's waiting on you to say, wait a minute, I'm going to live for God. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to end up just like Jacob someday. I'm going to have to turn and say to my family, I'm sorry the failures I had, but listen to what God did for me. See, we need to teach our children. This world has stopped teaching their children about God, and it's hurting our country, hurting our whole world. Then it was Judah. Judah was the fourth. Those of you that know your Bible know that Judah was the one that Christ came through. The fourth son. And it says, Judah, thou art he whom the brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp or a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and he, and as an old lion, who shall rouse up? Judah represents the lion. You know why? Judah's representing the lion because Jesus Christ, he's the lion of Judah. It came out of Judah. He was given by God, his only begotten son, came through one of these sons. It should have been Reuben probably. But no, see, God already sees the end from the beginning. You know God sees the end from the beginning. It's in Isaiah 46. He says he declares the end from the beginning. He already knows what our end is. Listen to me. You think you got control of what's going on? You don't have control. You need to hold on to him that has control. And you need to surrender yourself because let me tell you something. The enemy's got plans. Your flesh has got plans to destroy you. But God has greater plans for you. Oh, Lord, I want to be in your will. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I just want to be in your will. Help me to find you, Lord. Help me to search for you. Help me to seek you, God. Because I need you, Lord. Every day I need you. I don't want to leave my children or my grandchildren thinking, wonder if Grandpa made it to heaven. I want them to know there's only one path to eternity, and that's through Jesus Christ. And if they don't find it, I can't do nothing but tell them what God has showed me. And I believe that's why Jacob's telling them the truth about yourself. See, you can't get better till you hear the truth about yourself. You can code it over. You can fill your bank account full. You can tell yourself you've you got a nice car, nice house. All the women love you. All the boys love you. All everybody idolizes you. But can I tell you something? Without your doing the will of God, you're failing. Sorry. You're failing without the will of God. Lord, I just need to know I'm walking where you want me to walk. I just want to know that you're putting in my little brain, Lord, just a little more. Help me to that day. And when God's done with me, it ain't what I think I'm going to accomplish. It's when God's done with me, he'll take me home. Just like Jacob. 
still taking hold. He goes on in verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What does that mean? That is the ruling kings. The ruling kings came through Judah. Judah is where Jerusalem was. That's where the temple was. And God is sending his son through Judah. He said the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And every time I read it, everybody I read about says Shiloh means he's coming. I know my granddaughter's name's Shiloh, but we got a we got a savior that they called Shiloh in the Old Testament. He it names it here, and then it says, "And unto him shall be the gathering of the people of the gathering of the people." Be. I mean, here's what I'm saying: there is only one that has gathered the people to a place where they can be ready to go to be with the Father. His name is Jesus. If you're not gathered in Jesus, think about it. If you're not gathered in him, what have you got? You gathered in your religion? Are you gathered in you doing it all right? Oh, I'm getting a little better and a little better. I don't act as bad as I used to. I don't get as mad. I don't run people off the road like I used to. That's us. That's we. But he makes a difference. He puts a heart in there, a heart of love, a heart of grace, a heart of mercy. And every time my little attitude acts up, God tells me in that. All of a sudden, I remember, God, your grace, your mercy. But by the grace of God, I would be laying in a in a tomb somewhere. I'd be laying somewhere as a failure. And I'm not trying to succeed in Uriah. I'm trying to win him. I want him to be, know that I want to walk in his will. If you want to make it to the end and you want to be able to be like Jacob, you need to surrender every day to him. You need to start somewhere by going back to the well of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go to your Bible, begin to read it. Say, I'm going to put that in me. If I'm the worst reader in this world, I'm going to put this Bible, these words are going to be implanted. I'm going to hide them in my heart so that I might not sin against God. They're going to be the light that lights my way every day. I want to read one more. I'm going to skip the other brothers, and I can read every one of them to you. And let me tell you what about one of them. One of them was given the land right on the on the one side of Jordan, and the land it says in there when you read on down in there, 49th chapter. When Judah, when Jacob gets to that brother, he says to him that basically you're going to grow all these crops. You're going to be blessed, and you're going to, and it's going to flourish. And can I tell you, right now in Israel, they can flourish with the gardens. You think that's just a desert over there, but when they're on their land, God blesses it. And one of them was a, a maker of dainties and king's uh, royalty stuff. One of them, They're good in different things. 
just like different people here. So there's good people here that can do all kinds of things, and there's people here that can't hardly do much of any of that, but they're good at something else. God knows exactly what he's doing in your life, and he knows why he puts you where you are. But listen to me, it's more about his will than what you think you're doing. Get off of what you think. Get off of how much money and what the world says. Oh, but you got to have all this education, and you got to have all that portfolio in your bank. And I'm going to tell you something. Look out, because they are the downfall of the people. They're not the uplift of the people. They're the downfall. You can have uh, ten things today, and they're fast, but I can tell you, I was telling somebody today, it took my mother three days to watch for nine kids or nine people, seven kids and her and dad. She took three days with a ringer washer running our clothes through them. She'd run them back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then she'd get them just about dry running them through that ringer, and he had to carry them out to the backyard if it was warm enough, and she hung them, uh, our underwear and clothes and everything out on the line. But I'm going to tell you something, even when my father's underwear was old, they were white as they could be because mama knew how to cook, how to make them work. Now we uh, throw everything in a washer and run eat breakfast. And, and, you know, and then we whine. It just ain't working fast enough. If it would just work faster, I could, I could get more done today. Let me tell you something. Those simplicity things back then, they were accountable then for what they do. We're accountable today for what we're doing with our time. And don't tell me you don't got time to serve God. You'll fill yourself with every minute you got of everything. You'll pay up your hand into everything going on in this world. But if you don't fill yourself with God's will in your life, you won't find him. And you'll find yourself being corrected. I know you're looking at me like, well, if I could throw a rock at me. But I'm just giving you what God says. One of the verses I want to read, the last one in this, Genesis 49, is verse 28. I want to read it to you. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. He just got done talking to Benjamin, the youngest. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is it, that the Father spake unto them. Now listen to what I'm going to say. And he blessed Listen, and bless them every one. What do you mean he blessed them? He condemned them. No, he didn't condemn them, Bobby. He told them their faults, but he didn't condemn them. Listen to me. God will tell you your faults, but he ain't going to condemn you. You're condemning yourself when you don't react of what God has told you. Hear what I'm telling you. I know what God's saying in this verse. That's the reason I don't want to spend the rest of the time talking about them other brothers. And you know what? They're, they're as important as anybody else, especially Joseph. But you've got to understand, it says here, he blessed them, everyone, according to his blessing, he blessed them. Jacob said, I'm not leaving you with just a guilt. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you that your children's children will be blessed down the road. Why? Because God's will is that the whole 12 children are going to be there at the end of the world. How many knows what I just said? 
Look in there all the way back in the Revelation. You're going to find he talks about the 12 tribes of Israel still. Why? Because God had a plan bigger than Jacob. Jacob was just a part of that plan. But God, praise God, we got a Savior that is including every one of us. You think we're important up here in this front? I'm not important. These singers are not that important. These, these musicians are not the important people. The important people are those that follow the will of God. Because God has a plan for the end. Some people get all excited when they do something good. They can even read a scripture and say, boy, and, and give a good illustration. And, and say to themselves, <laughs> They all think I'm really smart. Man, I, didn't I just really explain it? Didn't I just tell them good? Boy, I'm really good at this. Sometimes we just pat ourselves on the back and the head and just brag on ourselves how good we did. How many of those you're setting yourself up for what the enemy's coming with? When you start bragging on yourself, look out. You're just fortunate and your prayers and your heart's desire ought to be toward the will of God. Not that I look good doesn't do me no good to pat myself on the back if tomorrow I'm going to fail God. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, God's working on you every day. Don't get caught up in yourself. Don't get bragging on yourself. Don't get boastful and think you're doing it better than anybody else. If God calls you to do what he's doing, then do it with all of your heart, humbly before him. In Isaiah 46, I'm going to read that. It says, remember this, 46, 8 through 11. 40, he says, remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to my mind, to mine, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. See, God knew what, he knew what was going to be written about, what John was going to write about in the book of Revelation. How many knows he did that? He knew it all the way back in Moses' time. He knew it all the way back at Abraham's time. Bobby, he had the plan already laid out. The, how do you say it? All the directions are already written in there. It's just who's going to be a part of what God's doing. He says, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. I want you to turn. I'm going to change the subject just for a second because I'm almost done. I want you to look at Peter. Matthew 16. And I want you to look at verse 21. You've heard this all your life, but it reminded me of the same thing. Reminded me of Reuben. Listen to me. None of us bigger than the other. None of us is better than anybody. We're all struggling, fighting this fight of flesh. Lord, I don't want this flesh to get its way. I want to follow the Spirit of God, and I want to live by the Spirit of God. And I fail you, God. I know I fail you. Listen to what Peter said. Jesus said it in the 21st verse of 16th. He said, from the time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem 
and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Listen to what Jesus is telling his, his 12 disciples. And be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter, look at verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Rebuke who? He was rebuking Christ. Listen to what I'm telling you. Peter swears up and says, he says, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh-oh. You mean Peter got called Satan? Did God write him off? Did God check him out? Did God reject him? Did God reject Simeon and Levi and Reuben forever? No. And he didn't, re he didn't remove Peter either. I want you to hear this. But how many knows? Listen to the next part of this. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things of God, but those that be of men. There's our problem. Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to the problem that we all have. Peter had it. Reuben had it. Simeon had it. Judah had it. All of them had it. But listen to the problem. You savor the things of the world, but you don't savor God. See, our world has turned away from the decency and the love, the grace and the, and the forgiveness and the conviction of They've turned away from all of that. How many know that's who, that's who God's about? That's the will of God to get you out of those things and to deliver you a saint of God. Did you know Jesus is coming back for a church that's ready? He's not coming back for a church that says, Jesus paid it a long time ago and I ain't got to worry about it. I don't have to do nothing for it. No, you're going to have to fight and strive or the devil's going to put you right back where you was. You're going to like what I'm saying or not, but it's true. He said, Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it man profiteth? Listen. If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Now I want to tell you something. This is a serious statement. Jesus might have been speaking to Peter and the disciples, but I'm speaking to you the same thing Jesus said because that's what he told me to tell you. And I want you to understand something. This is God's word. And they don't come to just preachers. They come to every one of our hearts. See, I've been convicted all of my life. Every time I'd get a little too big in my britches, God would straighten me out. Sometimes a little child may say it. Sometimes... It was an elder that said it, but I knew that it was struck at me. I knew the word pierced my heart and humbled me again before God. And I had to go back and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm not living where I ought to live. I'm not being what you want me to be. And I've got a job to do before, I, before you decide to take me out. Am I going to sit 
on a stool somewhere and say, skip it. I'll just wait it out, take my chance. God don't allow me to get away with it. He'd be better off taking me out of here if I'm not going to do no better. Uh-oh. You mean give up all I got? Surrender it all. Jesus wants you. He wants you to surrender yourself to him. Listen to me, Father. The only way we can change this country and our family or anything else is you need to walk for God and his will. Listen to me, Father. You can call yourself the head of the family, but I'm going to tell you, you're not ahead if you ain't leading. And you'll lead when you walk with God because that's what they need to see. That's the direction he gave you to take them. If you don't do that, let me tell you something. The day will come to which you wish I could go back and start over. So you'll tell, you'll dog your kids and say, do it the right way. I didn't do it, but you do it the right way. Because, see, we didn't do it ourselves. But aren't you glad we serve a God that's got mercy? Aren't you glad he's a forgiving God? Come on back up, buddy. See, we're to take up our cross, Jesus said. Come after me. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. I don't know what you think, but that's a big scripture. That's a big, powerful word to you and I. Come after him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You say it's too hard. God's going to have to grade on the curve. No, he's not. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to get down to the dirtiness of it. Listen to what I'm telling you. <clears throat> Paul said to Colossians, Mortify therefore your members. That means put it to death. Uh-oh. Put it to death? That's right. Put to death your old flesh. Put to death all those things that lured you away from living for God. Put them away from your life. Because, see, you can't walk on with the baggage, dragging it with it. Expect God to bless what your steps are going to be. See, Reuben gave up his birthright. And it went to Judah. His birthright actually went to Joseph and his children. But Judah got the one, was the one that got the, the blessing of having the son to come through. It went from the oldest son to the youngest. And Reuben wasn't necessarily a real bad person. But what he did, he defiled his own father's bed. And I'm not going to get into telling you that story. You'll have to read it yourself. Number one, I'll get myself in trouble telling you. But it's there. He says, mortify therefore your members which are on the earth, which are up on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection evil conceptions, covetousness, which is idolatry, the which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Now I want you to hear something. He's talking to a church. Apostle Paul's talking to the Colossian church. Hear what I'm telling you. I'm talking to the church to myself today, and I ain't nobody. You know what? I'm talking to myself first. But I want you to hear this. It says, for which things sake, the
the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. See, he's talking to children, children of God, and they're being disobedient. Then it says, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created. Why am I telling you this? There has to be some changes in what you're thinking. There has to be, you got to get a renewed knowledge of the gospel. You need to get a renewed knowledge of the word of God. You need to get a renewed knowledge of, of praising him, of coming up and repenting and praising him for what he's doing in you. Let me tell you something. You're not going to walk forward unless there's something inside of you. You're not going to throw your hands up and praise God if there's not victory going on inside of you. That's what he's saying. Get rid of the things in your life that you know are causing you to walk away from God. Hey, I can't help if all they talk about on the news is the next brewery they're going to put up and the next beer that comes out and the next raccoon or dog they save on the news. I get so tired of hearing all about the animals and the beer. That's all the news is. And they repeat the weather about 19 times. You say, you're an old person, you don't like the news. I, I watch it every day, but it'll never get no Same stuff. I know it's late, but I want you to hear something. Peter said this, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment and punishment. But chiefly them, uh-oh, it's mostly, mostly he's talking to these, listen. Chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. They despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Now you know what, that's one verse. Why? Because this presumptuous person is a person that's arrogant and they're bold and they're forward and they're self-willed and they ain't afraid to speak evil of dignities. What are dignities? Dignities to me are people that try to walk reverently and respectful to God's way. And you know what? We got a whole world that's doing exactly like they did in Sodom and Gomorrah when the angels came. They didn't care they was angels. They didn't care that Lot was trying to tell them, don't go near these angels, they're God's men. He didn't care about that. Let me tell you something. Our world don't care about the gospel. And they don't care about the church. I'm sorry, I gotta tell you. That's what it is. And they're presumptuous. That means they just assume they can take it for granted. They're taking the church for granted. They don't realize that God's the only one that can rescue them. They're going to face their doom. Don't you want to end up where God has planned you to be? 
Don't you want to go from the beginning? Some of you got beautiful children. Everybody's got beautiful children, okay? But I looked at the beautiful children and I realized the enemy's waiting to destroy you. He's waiting to get in your little child's mind and begin to pull them away. Listen to me, just like Jacob, even though you can see through all of the hoopla that your children tell you when they're lying to you and they're trying to make you believe they're better than they are. Okay? You don't want to hear that, but I told them. But it's true. And even though you can see through it, remember this. Jacob saw through his own. But he still blessed them. You know, I've, I've had mothers. I had mothers to say, oh, not my little must have been somebody else's kid. My kid was beautiful. Your mama's never said that? I was more afraid that my mother and father would find out that I had done something wrong than it seemed to worry about God. Father, and I promise you, your spouse, your wife, she'll be supporting you with all she's got. She'll see that you're traveling for God. You know, you're not you're not going to walk through this life without mistakes, without problems. But God has got a way of taking His will. He'll make doors. Some of you's got children that are teenagers. Boyfriends or girlfriends, God's got a way of bringing them before your face. The door that they never saw, the place they never expected to go, and all of a sudden they see the love of their life. And you think at all that time there wasn't nobody there for them. God knows exactly what He's trying to do in every every young person in every life. And I know you young you uh, young you people that's got young kids. That's all you want is them to be happy, them to be loved. But pray for what God can do. Everybody stand. While they sing a song, if you need to pray, you come. If you need to rededicate your father, father, if you need to rededicate your life, there's a life to live for Jesus. There's a will, and it's not consistent. they sing.
you to hear something about Jacob. One more thing. Jacob had ten sons. Rachel had never had a son. That was the Rachel was the one he loved. That's who he married. That's who he really went after. And he got deceived. Not going to get into all of that, but I want you to hear something. When Joseph was born to Rachel, it was 11th boy. Jacob loved Joseph more than all the sons. He was his son of a young age. He was a young, the youngest one at that time. And Jacob made him a special coat, a special coat of many colors. Most every one of you here have heard that. But I want you to hear something. At 17 years old, his brothers sold him off into slavery. They hated Joseph because the father 
gave him special attention. Now listen to this. From 17 to probably in his 40s, Joseph was in before he ever saw his father's face again, before his father ever saw him again. Did you know Jacob thought they had deceived Jacob? The boys came back and told him that some, something had killed him. They found his coat all ripped up and blood on it, and they deceived Jacob. Now, I want you to understand something. Jacob's got to live with all these sons all these years, and Joseph's not even among them. They got rid of him. But see, Joseph had the right heart. He could handle what happened. All the way down to where they had to come into Egypt and to get food. All them years, Jacob made the statement, I'll grieve the rest of my life. I'll never get over Joseph dying. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Jacob suffered a lot as a father because he not only suffered losing that favorite son for so many good years, he didn't have time with him, but he had to deal with the fact that when he found the truth, the truth was he had all them other older brothers, 10 older brothers that he had to deal with that had done wrong. And Jacob had lived with them all them years. You think it was easy for Jacob to rise up and bless? It was God that gave Jacob to rise up and bless. God was gracious. I want you to understand something. You ain't been through nothing compared to what Jacob's been through to become a father. The enemy fought him with everything he could. And I praise God when I read about Jacob. Because, see, God had a plan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a plan to bring Israel back. Who we talk about. Who you see in the news every day. And God's got a plan at the end. Praise God. Jacob is not just rewarded for doing any good things. He's rewarded that he was faithful to the end. You know, would you like to go shake Jacob's hand? Would you like to, as a father, say to yourself, you went through a lot more than I could put up with. Job went through a lot more. He lost 10 sons, 10 children at one time. See, it's, this is a battle of life. But the end is where Jesus it's paid for us to go. The end's not how much we collect here and how good we feel about ourselves, or how much better we had it than someone else. All God's asking for you to do is surrender your heart to him. And he said, I'll make the plan and I'll work it out. No matter what your kids fail at, no matter what you fail at, God says if you'll keep falling on your knees and repenting, he'll restore you to that walk. He'll keep picking you up and bringing you a little farther. Let God have his way in your life. That's what God's saying. You're not looking at highly educated people here. You're not looking at somebody that earned this and none of us earned nothing. We just surrendered to him.
I thank you for listening today. I thank you for your grace and mercy of sitting here.